to the Raw Autos Podcast, episode 14. Of course, I'm your host, Josh Lewis, the guy who created Raw Autos and embodies it as a whole. Um, just to get a few things out of the way off the top right here, um, you can subscribe to us, or to me, <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Google Play Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Podbean, and of course, go to rawautos.com, go to youtube.com slash rawautos, subscribe, like things, and then go to uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Raw Autos, like all that stuff, and enjoy us, follow, blah, 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 yada, 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 all that crazy stuff. Um, if you would like to email me for any reason, you can do so at josh at rawautos.com. And uh, something that I've uh, had for a long time that I've never actually used is a Patreon. And I just set it up uh, this week, finally published it, and just was like, you know what? Screw it. If people want to donate a dollar, donate a dollar. If you don't, hey, no hard feelings. I'm not bothered by it. Still going to make content, and you're still going to enjoy it uh, for free. But uh, you can go to patreon.com slash rawautos uh, and contribute a dollar, 50 cents, a million dollars, whatever you see fit. It's up to you, not me. And if you don't want to contribute anything, that's fine. I get it. It's tough times. I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to hate you. So this, this podcast uh, is being recorded on April 30th. It is going live. You are listening to it now, May 1st, 2020. Uh, you may be listening to it on May 2nd or 3rd or 5th or all the way into the future of 2070. I don't know. 2170. Who knows? Um, but if you are listening to it, go back and listen to the other podcasts. I hope you've enjoyed them. If you haven't already listened to them. Uh, go back and enjoy those. And uh, so this episode, we will not have a guest. And I will not be talking about rawautos.com like I did in the other two podcasts where I didn't have a guest. Instead, I will be letting you, uh, I'll be actually giving you a car review, which is the 2020 Toyota Land Cruiser Heritage Edition. I had that a couple months ago, and I thought it would be kind of neat for you guys to hear an audio review of it. Um, and I'll be doing that, you know, every few podcasts from, you know, here and there, uh, when I get some press cars and whatnot. And, uh, and then we'll also be talking about some car news and, uh, some, you know, just basically what's going on in the car world right now, because, you know, everything has been turned upside down and is absolutely crazy. You know, what the hell? So I want to turn my attention to one of the big, big things that's about to happen, which is May 24th. The Coca-Cola 600 is going to run at Charlotte Motor Speedway in North Carolina. Now, for those of you who don't know, I live in North Carolina. I've been to Charlotte Motor Speedway a few times now. In fact, I was at the All-Star Race a couple years ago. Um, thanks to Toyota, they brought me there, and we did all this all this cool stuff and cheered on the cars and, uh, and walked pit road. And um, I almost got run over by, uh, uh, by uh, uh, Kyle Busch, and uh, that was very interesting. And, uh, in fact, that video is on my Instagram. Uh, and if you can't find it, email me, I'll send, I'll send you the video uh, link so you can enjoy it because I literally almost got run over, uh, by his car. Uh, but then also, you know, we were in this, you know, as a journalist, I was in the, in the box with, you know, their private box and, and enjoying a lot of time, uh, with Toyota. And I love the Toyota people. In fact, one of the people from Toyota that I know personally, Corey Prophet, will be coming on the podcast soon. Uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He and uh, his partner, Rod, they actually sent me my very first press cars that I ever got from car companies. And so uh, I've had a good friendship with Rod ever since and uh, Corey as well. I love both of them very, very dearly. And uh, so anyway, so when I got back into journalism, uh, you know, after I took some time off, within a few months, I was getting some Toyotas and whatnot. And uh, 
uh, Corey was calling me um, saying, hey, why don't you, you know, come to this Toyota event, you know, at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. They sent me a, a, a brand new Camry SE. I'd already had a Camry XSE V6. Um, and so they, they sent this car to me. It was really funny. So they sent the Camry to me. And it had literally, it was literally brand new. It had the, basically the exact amount of miles, um, that it takes to drive from Charlotte to my house. So the company that was delivering it to me was out of Charlotte. So they drove it to me from Charlotte. I drove from my house to Charlotte (laughs) and then, uh, and then, you know, hung out with Toyota, drove back to my house and they came and picked it up, you know, uh, you know, like a week later or whatever. Uh, so I reviewed a car and it was, I mean, it was literally, I think it had 200 and some odd miles on it. Right. Which is crazy. It's amazing. Um, but it was, it was a great car. I very much so enjoy the Camrys. Uh, I think the Camrys are good cars in general, but, uh, so anyway, I went to that event, had a great time. Um, but, uh, we've had a stay at home order in place until I think it was supposed to go up on April 30th. Uh, which is when I'm actually recording this, something like that. Anyway, so the governor, Governor Roy Cooper, has extended it to May 8th, uh, and then after that, they everything is opening up in phases, basically. Uh, and the racetrack is opening up May 24th for the Coca-Cola 600. However, no spectators allowed. Only people that work for the track, uh, only people that work for the, the racing companies and whatnot are allowed. What's interesting about that is that I didn't know the exact number, but uh, thanks to Jalopnik, I uh, found that number. It's between two and 3,000 people that are actually required to get a NASCAR race up and running and going. Um, because it's not just the teams. You're talking about track marshals. You're talking about workers, crews, safety crews, you know, firemen, uh, uh, EMTs, EMS, uh, you know, uh, specialists and whatnot. Um stewards, literally anybody and everybody that is involved with these things is going to have to be there, right? So, I mean, you're talking thousands of people that are going to be there regardless. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to see what happens because as of right now, I'm looking at the the, uh, the facts right now on my phone, uh, and we have 10,509 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in North Carolina with 378 deaths. Now, we have not been a hard-hit state um, this could obviously change at any moment, depending on what happens in the future, uh, with stay at home orders, you know, uh, being too lax, or, I mean, not stay at home orders being too lax, but the things opening up too soon, so to speak. Right now, granted 378 deaths is not a lot. However, those are each one of those is a human being that has lost their lives, the family, friends that care about them. And it's an important, it's an important thing to, to note that at any point in time, when you have over a two to three month period, um, state by state, you know, in the hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands of people losing their lives. That's a, that's a, a big, horrible ordeal. If we were in a war, if we were in Afghanistan or Iraq or, uh, North Korea or Russia or China, if we're having a war in any sense, and in a period of two to three months, we lose 60,000 people like that. Well, that's, you know, you're talking you know, World War One, World War Two, Civil War uh, types of battles where, where tens of thousands of people are, are killed instantly. And we would be, that would be horrible suffering. 
That'd be great suffering, right? We would be talking about this and we'd be talking about nothing else. So with the coronavirus, if you're bored of the news, if you're tired of it, I understand. But this is something that's so unprecedented and so weird. You know, we're, we're not used to something like this. Uh, H1N1 swine flu killed uh, a little over 12,000 people uh, in a one year long period, right? This has killed 60,000 roughly in a few months. Just crazy, just for the United States. So the fact that we're going to be start opening things up and, uh, and we haven't really seen, I don't know that we've seen the peak or we've definitely not seen the end of any of this, but it's, it's going to be interesting. I will be watching the race uh, because it is important. Uh, it's important to kind of support these things and to see what's going to happen, see what's going to come about. Um, and you know, look, I like NASCAR. I'm not bothered by it. Do I like watching it on television? Not so much, (laughs) but do I like seeing it in person? Absolutely. Uh, which I would be, I'm going to be very, very interested to see. I wish I could be there in person because I would love to, to listen to the differences because at the track it is loud. Cars are loud. Fans are loud. People are loud. It's, it's an intense experience. If you've never been to a NASCAR race, whether you like NASCAR or not, it really is honestly beside the point. Because when you go, it is so amazing. The fact that at any point in time, and as a journalist, when I'm walking through you know, the pits, and there's professional drivers that are making tens of millions of dollars a year walking right past you or putting their hand on their shoulder saying, excuse me, as they're moving past you is quite ridiculous. And, you know, you get to talk to them, you get to meet with them. And and it's amazing. It is amazing. I almost got run over by Kyle Busch. Um, That video is on my Instagram, Raw Autos. Uh, It's from, what, 2018, I think is when it was. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was very, very interesting. I was in pit road. Um, it was <laughs> very cool. It was on off, uh, raining. So it was an all-star event. Uh, it was raining on and off. And, uh, finally there was just a, a little pause in the rain and all the cars were just, just rushing out of the, the pits, trying to get into, uh, trying to get out onto the, um, um, uh, onto the track to set lap times, you know, sets, you know, get some practice in, set some flying laps, whatever. And, uh, yeah. And Kyle Busch came out and just was, he backed up and he was coming around and I am filming him with my camera and I just, I'm not paying attention because I'm looking down at my camera and I just realized, Oh shit, there's a car coming at me. So I move. And as I move, there's another journalist behind me, Mark Elias. Uh, and he's behind me taking pictures and <laughs> he, Bush has to, has to basically slow down and almost come to a complete stop waiting for Mark to get out of the way so he can get out there. Uh, we, we saw him, I think a day or two later and, and, uh, I apologized to him about that. And he said, it really didn't matter. It was no big deal. He thought it, it just, he said, you're, you're not phased by it. Cause you see this all the time, you know? And he said, it's just, it, it just, it is what it is, w- which is astounding to me. Here's a professional racing driver. We're getting in his way and he's like, ah, you know, it happens. It's no big deal. You go to formula one or, you know, or Lamar or anything like that, and let that happen. You'll probably be kicked out immediately. So, you know, that's, uh, it was, that was a very fun, fun situation, fun times, a great, great trip that Toyota provided. It was, it was awesome. 
Uh, in fact, the guy who uh, who invited me on that trip, uh, a guy named Corey Prophet, as uh, PR guy for Toyota, uh, we'll be having him on soon because he's been a, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, Corey actually sent me my first ever press car. First ever press car that was delivered to me was from a company that he worked for uh, that handled press cars at the time. And now he's been in PR for a number of years. Uh, in fact, when he left, uh, his his husband took over uh, sending me press cars. And uh, so I've had a good, close relationship with both of them for years. Uh, Love them dearly. And um, uh, But yeah, I, I left the journalism game for a few years. And shortly after I got back into it, I get a call from Corey saying, hey, you know, why don't you... Uh, come out to this Toyota event in uh, in Charlotte. Um, they sent me a brand new Camry with genuinely delivery miles. So it had like 200 and some odd miles on it, which is how long, um, how many miles it is from the facility in Charlotte that sends me cars to my house. So they got it off of a truck and drove it straight to me. And then I drove it to Charlotte to, to be at the Motor Speedway. And then drove it back to where I live, and then uh, they came and picked it up about a week later. But yeah, that was uh, it was a great time, really great trip. Um, and I appreciate Toyota for and Corey for being you know so generous to me over the years. Uh, but yeah, again, this is going to be very interesting to see how this works. Um, and, and I would be genuinely interested to be at the track to see, to to listen and notice the differences. Obviously, there will be nobody in the stands. But when you're there, it's electrifying because the people in the stands and the cars, the stands are just as loud as the cars, if not more so. And it's it's amazing. It's incredible. The rumble. When the cars aren't even in, you know, wherever you are on the track, when the cars aren't near you, the rumble from the fans is incredible. And then when the cars come through, whatever turn or whatever straight, whatever you're on or whatever you're near... And the two of them mixing together is just this, it's, it's, it's a mixture of emotions that is absolutely breathtaking and wonderful. Uh, and, and it's, again, if you, even if you don't like NASCAR, I genuinely urge you to go to a track, go to a race, you will enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, if you love anything to do with cars, you will love seeing it. Watching on television, I get it. It's boring for me too. Look, I, I love baseball but I don't enjoy watching it on television unless it's highlights or something, you know, but it, it, but when I'm there, I love watching baseball live. And when you're at a NASCAR race, it's just, it's otherworldly. It's, it's amazing. Um, and the drivers uh, forget about it. They're talented. They're athletes. They're fantastic. It's again, great events. And I will be very interested to see how they get along with this on, um, on television. And that's it no fans. So it's going to, it's very, very interesting. Uh, so I, again, I'd love to be there just to close my eyes and hear those differences. Um, because it will be, it'll be weird. It'll be weird for the teams, the drivers. It'll be weird for everybody involved, everybody on the tracks, because I feel like they'll actually be able to hear themselves and each other, uh, even with the cars, because the cars are loud, but it's, it's the fans with the cars that make it, you know, 10 times louder. So without further ado, I'm going to let you listen to the audio of my review of the 2020 Toyota Land Cruiser Heritage Edition. Um, this is an SUV I had a couple months ago for a review, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, but 
you will enjoy my review, hopefully. Uh, if you want to see the actual video review, you can go to rawautos.com and see the video review, or you can go to youtube.com slash rawautos and watch the, the video review. This is just the audio. Um, so with obviously with the music, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, so without further ado, I welcome myself. The Toyota Land Cruiser is well known for being a vehicle that will last way beyond the life of the original purchaser. Just have a look on Auto Trader and see how many are still driving quite easily with 250,000 or more miles. And the fact that they're going for as much as they are is very interesting. So when Toyota sent me their special limited to 1200 heritage edition to review, I immediately thought, this is $89,239? Jesus. While this is $2,300 more than the regular Land Cruiser, you do get some things taken away. The Heritage Edition does not have folding third row seats, a cooler box in the center console, it does away with the running boards and side moldings. The latter two actually give you a little extra ground clearance for off-roading pleasure. But spending extra doesn't just get you bits taken off. No, for this special edition, you'll get the choice of Midnight Black Metallic or Blizzard Pearl. Obviously my tester was black, and it's a beautiful color. Pearlescent paint, and it's gorgeous. And continuing with the outside, instead of chrome trim like the regular models, you get darkened chrome around the front grille and fog lights, and the headlight housings are black. And then black and chrome side view mirrors. Adding to the usability factor is the Yakima Mega Warrior roof rack, which will hit signs entering and exiting parking garages. <laughs> it's perfect for camping, but not so much for the mall shopping soccer moms. The Yakima roof rack does provide a little extra wind noise going down the road, but eh, you'll really kind of get used to it after a few days. It's not that big of a deal. My two favorite additions though, are the vintage Land Cruiser badges on the D-pillars and the bronze BBS wheels with Toyota written in their old original font. Moving to the interior, the Heritage Edition continues with the black and bronze theme, with the interior coming only in black leather, everything, and bronze stitching on the seats, door trim, center console, center stack, as well as the steering wheel. And the entire time I drove this special Land Cruiser, I kept asking myself if I'd prefer another luxury sport utility over this. And the more I drove it, the easier it was to say no to that question. The 5.7 liter V8 in this may be as old as dirt, but like everything else under the body, it will last a lifetime. Plus power and torque figures are healthy at 381 horsepower at 5,600 RPM and 401 pound-feet at 3,600 RPM. The torque number is important because Toyota say 90% of peak torque is available from just 2,200 RPM. That's almost BMW turbo level performance. Most current BMWs make peak power at 1500 RPM. And thanks to that wonderful torque, the Land Cruiser feels oh so good when you put your foot down. Just make sure that if you're on the highway to push the ECT power button. Otherwise you'll have to wait for the gearbox and engine to realize you don't want to be in eco mode and need to get moving. From either a roll or a standing start, there is a Rolls Royce like waft of movement. It's not a sudden urge and it doesn't make loud noises. Instead, it moves steadily with authority and does not in any way upset the passengers. But with all of that happiness of longevity, there are some inherent disappointments. The Land Cruiser, including the Heritage Edition, sadly, does not come with Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. Yet, interestingly, it has a wireless charger. Go figure. 
It does have a USB port that charges your phone while also displaying it as an iPod, which I think is really hysterical in 2020. The infotainment system as a whole appears to be about two generations behind every other car in the world. And fuel mileage is stuck at 13 miles per gallon city and 17 highway respectively. And that's a total average of 14 miles per gallon. And that's really pretty much what I got in return. But if it's any consolation, the Land Cruiser will accept 87 octane. Not too shabby. Yet you still will be annoyed as hell that there is a damn button to release the fuel door. It's like going to a website and having to prove you're not a robot. Maybe at one point in time, this was something that we needed and it worked, but we've kind of evolved past that now, haven't we? There are also a ridiculous amount of green lights on the gauge cluster. My God, I haven't even seen this much green at Christmas. Hell, I wish my bank account had that much green in it when I checked it, but it doesn't. So let's get on with the review. Other things I didn't like are the fact that there's no three-prong plug outlet in the back seat, there's too much silver plastic, a, a low-resolution backup camera, a slot above the hood and fuel door tabs that does nothing and goes nowhere, and that you can't close the hatch while the tailgate is soft-closing itself. So you have to wait until the system is done before you can hit the button to close the hatch. It's kind of weird, I, I don't quite understand it. Two things that I do think can be addressed pretty quickly though by Toyota are the fact that the cruise control doesn't work under 28 miles an hour and the turn signal doesn't have an auto three blinker signal setting. The cruise control is useful for someone like me who lives in an area where there are multiple 25 mile an hour zones where I know that cops have itchy writing fingers. That means I like to set the cruise control at 27 and glide on through. But moving on. Without the third row in this heritage edition, you will end up getting a whopping 53.5 cubic feet of space and 82.8 when you fold the second row down. That's pretty damn good. The current Cadillac Escalade, not the all new 2021, features 51.6 with the third row folded and a bit more with the second row folded at 94.2 cubic feet. Both the Land Cruiser and the Cadillac Escalade tow 8,100 pounds, but the Heritage Edition does weigh 141 fewer pounds. Not that it matters when it still returns worse overall fuel mileage, because uh, the Cadillac is at 14 and 21 with the four-wheel drive model. Regardless of that though, the Land Cruiser actually drives and handles much better than the Escalade, in my opinion, of course. I kept thinking of it this way. If I needed a vehicle that I knew had better suspension components, better off-road capabilities, drove with way more agility, had heavier weighted steering, and offered big truck appeal, well, the Land Cruiser is kind of a no-brainer. It's clearly the less flashy vehicle, albeit with a bit more of an entry price. But really, price tells you such a small story in the book of the Land Cruiser, and even less when you're talking about the Heritage Edition. Overall, the things I loved about it were the supple ride quality for something weighing 5,715 pounds, and the weight and feel of the steering it's sports car-like with its heaviness, and I appreciate that so much in a big vehicle. The rear seat legroom is good. Auto up on all four windows. Try finding that in an Escalator at Tahoe. It has a real, actual handbrake. Auto heated and cooled seats. So depending on the outside temperature, it will automatically turn on the heated or cooled seats, provided that you have the button switched on. There's a slot in the driver's visor that will hold your registration and insurance papers. The visor also features two actual visors, 
one for the side window and one for the windshield, if you so please. My wife absolutely loved that feature. Overall, I can't describe how authoritative the Land Cruiser drives and feels. Most luxury SUVs try and coddle you, and they also treat you like you're weak and stupid. But the Land Cruiser Heritage Edition is strong, and it makes a statement. It makes a statement that you're not just another car in the crowd. Instead, you're special, unique, and believe that life should be an adventure. And so that's it. If you like this, feel free to like, subscribe, and share it with others. If you didn't like it, eh, okay. Thanks for watching anyway. Until next time, happy motoring. And I'm back. Thank you, me, for in, you know giving us that great review. And now you're back to me. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, you can watch that review on rawautos.com or youtube.com. And uh, remember, 2020 Toyota Land Cruiser Heritage Edition. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly enjoyed driving it, uh, as I'm sure you heard. And for our last story tonight, I want to talk to you about Ford. Why Ford? Well, because it's in the news. There are two things. Uh, well, actually, three things, now that I think about it. One is Motor Trend have a story saying that Ford have applied for a trademark of the name Excursion. So, now if you don't remember, there was a, an SUV, a rather large SUV uh, of the Toyota, or the Toyota, geez, got Toyota on the brain, <laughs> don't mind me, of the Ford Excursion. Uh, the Ford Excursion was huge. And when I say huge, it was massive. Its curb weight was between 6,650 pounds and 7,688 pounds. It had a 44-gallon fuel tank and sat either eight or nine people. You could get it with a 5.4-liter V8, a 6-liter V8 diesel, or a 6.8-liter V10. What? <laughs> these, I mean, these things were huge. They were monsters. And I still, they're cool to this day, in my opinion. They are so badass. Uh, but the model years, you get them from 2000 to 2006. Now, in 2006, uh, you could only get that in Mexico. Um, so in 2005 was the last year for America. Um, so you could, you could purchase the excursion uh, in 1999 as a 2000 model. So in 1999, they sold 18,315, 2000, they sold 50,786, 2001, they sold 34,710, 2002, they sold 29,042, 2003, they sold 26,259, 2004, 20,010. And then in 2005, the last year for America's American sales, they sold 16,283. Um, what makes this interesting is, is that it was a, it was from a, basically an F-250, uh, super duty that was turned into this monstrous SUV. Um, and it was really to rival the, at the time, it was really to rival the Chevy Suburban and GMC Yukon, uh, stuff like that. Um, because it was so big and the Suburban was big and, and I don't know the excursion at the time, I thought it was like. So I grew up, just to give you an understanding, I grew up in a very GM-heavy family, right? Um, whole family was very much into GM vehicles. So uh, when I first saw the excursion, I was like, 
that's dumb because <laughs> I loved, we had Suburbans and Escalades and stuff like that. So, uh, but as I've grown older, I'm like, Ooh, the excursion. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, and I still think they're cool as hell today. So Ford apparently have, uh, basically decided that they might remake it. I don't know. I mean, you know, we're, they're about to reintroduce the Bronco soon, uh, which is pretty crazy uh, that we're getting another Bronco. And I, I would be very curious to see what's going to happen with this. I mean, obviously it'll be based on, you know, probably the F-250 or F-350 uh, as current, um, as the current uh, vehicles. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, they already have the Expedition um, uh, the, and they have the uh, long wheelbase version of that. Uh, which is called the Max. Um, that used to be called the EL. Now it's called the the Max. Um, and the, ex- the Expedition is fantastic. It's phenomenal, phenomenal SUV. Uh, drives great. Sounds well. It's a turbo V6. It sounds meh, fine. Uh, but it, it is a it is an awesome, awesome SUV. Honestly. So I don't know whether it's going to be some type of uh, electric. Uh, thing or hybrid type of SUV because of course we have the new Hummer EV that is that is going to be coming back out. Uh, so Ford have said, well, not really said anything. It's just the U.S. Patent Office and Trademark Office, um, and they filed it on April twenty fourth. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's I don't know what's going to happen, but it's very interesting, and it leads into the other part of what I was going to talk about with Ford. Ford, sadly, are, they're losing money. Why are they losing money? Well, there's nothing happening right now because of the coronavirus. But also, they had a really rough start with the new Ford Explorer. In quarter one of this year alone, they've already announced that they have lost $2 billion. Now, in quarter two, they suspect that they will lose $5 billion. So the Detroit News reports, on the heels of a disappointing 2019, Ford had released guidance saying it expected to post between $5.6 billion and $6.6 billion in earnings before interest and taxes in 2020. But because of the virus-induced shutdown, the automaker earlier this year withdrew all guidance for 2020. It also stopped paying dividends to shareholders. But in Tuesday's release, Chief Financial Officer Tim Stone said while conditions remained, quote, too ambiguous, end quote, to provide full year guidance. He expects second quarter adjusted pre-tax earnings to be a loss of more than $5 billion. Quote, we believe we will see the largest impact of this crisis in the second quarter, end quote. Uh, Were it not for the virus and the economic slowdown it has delivered, he added Ford would have been on track to post adjusted pre-tax earnings of at least $1.4 billion. So this is wreaking havoc on companies like Ford and Ford's dependence on trucks and SUVs and and the sales of things that are extremely expensive. Now, I'm not saying that that's the reason why, you know, they're losing money because obviously it's not. And I'm not saying that Ford are going to go bankrupt or go under. I don't believe that. But it is going to cause an interesting concern because the United States government has been, you know, we're going to be bailing out the airline industry and the cruise industry. And look, we can have discussions about both of those on a different podcast. 
Uh, maybe I'll talk to my dad about about the airline one because he owned a corporate travel agency for the better part of 25 years. Um, and so he dealt in that industry for a long time. Uh, even before he owned his company, he was in that industry for, what, an extra 15 years before that? So we can table that discussion. So are we going to be seeing a another potential uh, bailout of sorts for the big three? I mean, if they're losing money like this, holy shit. I mean, seriously, it... I know my dad will have, if, if my dad were on here, he'd have you believe that the airline industry is the most important industry because without it, nobody moves. And sure, that is a very interesting detail. And yes, it is, it, the airline industry is important. There's no doubt about it. But I argue that the automotive industry is far more important than the airline industry. Because in today's world, we can do business via video conference. Sure, it's not as, it's not as easy. Uh, it's not as interesting. It's not as good, you know, because you want to get face to face with people. You want to get handshakes and you want to get steak dinners and you want to do deals over, over drinks and cigars. And yeah, I get it. That's not going to be the way of the future. The airline industry is going to change because of it. And so is the automotive industry, but people still need to get places. People are still going to need to be able to go to the grocery store, to a doctor's office, uh, to pick up their kids from school, to, you know, go to the toy store to get their kid, the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip, all that good stuff. Guess where they don't, guess what they don't need to do that. They don't need a plane. They don't need to get on a Delta airline. They don't need to get on US air. You know, they don't need any of that, but they are going to need a Ford, a Chevy, a Buick, a Dodge, a Chrysler, a Toyota, a Honda, Subaru, BMW. They don't need anything from Boeing. So if if we're talking about Ford are going to post losses in the billions, if they're expecting to lose $7 billion between the first half of the year, shit, it can't be good for General Motors or Chrysler. And by Chrysler, I mean FCA, Fiat Chrysler. Uh, but man, so Jalopnik reports that in uh, Ford executives in 2019 made more. They were paid more than the entire profits in 2019. Now, this is actually coming. Uh, this is an article that they reposted sort of uh, from from the Freep. Um, now, the Freep, if, for those who don't know, is the Detroit Free Press. Um, been around for quite a while. Uh, and this is from, this is actually from a couple days ago that, uh, that, uh, the Detroit free press actually, um, actually posted this It's from April 27th. Now they're saying that, uh, the cumulative compensation for the six top executives at Ford motor company, $70 million exceeded the automakers annual net income of $47 million in 2019 a year that included a botched Ford Explorer launch and billions in warranty costs. On February 4th, when reporting that annual profits plunged from $3.7 billion to one year earlier, Chief Financial Officer Tim Stone characterized the situation as not okay, quote, unquote. Um, that's pretty intense. 
if they're paying out more than they're making, obviously, you know, this becomes something of an alarming issue for Ford. But again, not just for Ford. This is a report about Ford. I can't expect other car companies aren't going through similar financial issues right now. Um, and, you know, now we have we've had another story that came out um, that uh, the Lincoln Rivian electric, whatever it was going to be, is dead. Um, they Now they say Ford say it's because of this whole pandemic. I say if the pandemic is that big of an issue. Wow. But obviously, in my opinion, and I could be wrong. It seems that there would have been other issues, including this pandemic, uh, to make that not happen. Uh, but that's something that I will reach out to Ford, see if I can get anybody on the podcast, or if I can get anybody to give me a quote, um, because, you know, that's important. Um, again, these are these are big, big deals. I mean, you know, Nissan is, is planning to cut... 78% of their pro- Japanese production next month. Uh, so for the month of May, I mean, that's, you know, this is getting crazy. You know, uh, car companies are going to be in a very, very bad way for quite some time. And I can tell you right now, if you have the money, it's a good time to buy, you know? Um, but if you don't, and you have a new car, and you have a car that you are deferring payments on or that you could barely afford before, I hate to break it to you. It's not going to get any easier for the rest of the year, I don't think. Um, oh, man. I, I don't I don't know what to tell anybody here. I really don't because uh, I'm not an expert. I'm not. Uh, I wish I were more of an expert for you when I'm talking to you right now, but I'm just not. A lot of these are my opinions. Um I'm very knowledgeable about some things, but I'm not an expert on this. And uh, maybe, you know what, maybe I'll get somebody on uh, the podcast, try and find somebody from the banking industry that works in the automotive world or in the automotive world that works with the banks and whatnot to kind of talk to you about deferred payments and 0% interest loans and whatnot. Um, but I will get that going for you to, uh, it'll be a little bit late because you would have needed this information months ago. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, but yeah, so... If this is happening to Ford, it's happening to other car makers. So don't be surprised if legislation, if, or if we start talking about legislation in this country uh, to help out the automotive industry again. We just did this 12 years ago. And it was a big enough argument then. And I was very much so in favor of it uh, then. Because, look, we can talk about the, the dumb things that the automotive industry have done over the years, uh, especially the car companies, stupid things they've done, decisions, investments, whatever. But what we need to be talking about more than that is the millions of jobs that will be on the line because of it. Because it's not just a bunch of factory workers or executives. It's not just a bunch of union workers. So I know some people out there be like, well, you know, unions suck anyway. So, you know, get rid of the unions and blah, blah. Look, it's not just those. It's people from companies like Bosch who make all sorts of shit for every car company all over the world. It is um, mechanics. It's salespeople. It's dealers. It's everybody. Everybody is involved in this in, in one fashion or another. It's uh, 
going to be, you know, advanced auto parts or, you know, uh, O'Reilly or other auto parts stores, Napa. I mean, you're talking about a shit ton of people that would be affected. Uh, it's not just a bunch of executives making, you know, 10, 20, $30 million a year, or even just a couple million. It's people that are making 15, 20 bucks an hour, or it's salespeople making two fifty an hour and collecting very, very little when it comes to, uh, pay when they sell a car. Now we, I know you'll sit there and be like, well, salespeople take advantage. It's not really the salespeople as much. I mean, yes, salespeople can be skeezy. But it's car dealers, it's dealer industry, you know, that does that. It forces these people into a situation. There are a lot of car salesmen that empathize with your position when you don't have any money when you're coming in to buy a car because so many of them are living paycheck to paycheck or barely have a paycheck. I mean, I could tell you about all the times that I barely made anything because my managers took everything on the back end and I made, you know, 50 bucks on a car. You're selling 10 cars at 50 bucks. You make 500 bucks. That's nothing a month. And don't forget every time I walked into that dealership and I clocked in, I, the dealership was paying me $2 and 50 cents an hour for working there. Right. At the end of the month, whatever I cost them, (laughs) whatever they paid me, they took out of my commissions. So if I'm, if I made $1,200 from my draft, not my draft, my draw, sorry, from my draw, if I took out $1,200 a month from my draw and I made $1,200 in commissions, guess what? They took that $1,200 and paid themselves back. If I made $2,400, guess what? I only made $1,200 because they paid themselves back to the tune of $1,200 and I walk away with $1,200 and then I had been paid every two weeks, you know, $2.50 an hour. So as a whole, I only made $2,400 that month, right? Or if I made uh, $1,200 from my um, pointless $2.50 a month, and then they took $1,200 from my commissions because that's all I had, guess what? I only, I'm only working with $1,200 for that month. So it's... There are a lot of things that go into this stuff and we need to be very cautious about how we argue and how we criticize and how we point fingers. Um, Cause look, sales guy isn't at fault for that. We need to, when you're pointing figures, fingers, you need to figure out who you're pointing them at and who deserves that, that pointing with that. I think it's time to end. Uh, you've listened to me rant and rave for long enough. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this format again next week. Uh, Monday and Friday for podcasts. And then the following week, which is God, I never have my calendar up when I do this. <laughs> I always do this and I never have the damn calendar up. So next week, obviously you're listening to this on May 1st. Uh, we'll have a podcast on May 4th and May 8th. My birthday is May 11th. Uh, happy birthday to me. Thank you. Which we will have a podcast on that day as well. That's a Monday. Um, and then March or I'm sorry, May, March, good Lord, May 15th, we will have, uh, uh, no podcast. So we will just have podcasts from that point on, on Mondays. So when you listen to the podcast on May 11th, remember it's my birthday and I will probably tell you, um, but you don't have to email me and tell me happy birthday. Cause I really just, I don't care. <laughs> it does not bother me at all. Uh, I don't like birthdays. 
I don't care to celebrate. So with that, uh, I'm finally going to end. And uh, again, I will talk to you guys on Monday, May 4th. And just remember that every morning you wake up, put some of that good old-fashioned freeze-dried Folgers in your good old-fashioned coffee cup. Listen to the Raw This Podcast or share it with somebody who hasn't listened yet. And as always, happy motivation.